Welcome to OnRamp, a podcast about faith, spirituality, and justice. Check out our website where you can find links to Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Join us. Well, welcome. Welcome to our first episode of OnRamp, a podcast providing access points to engage issues around faith, spirituality, and justice. You know, it's our heart that we really want to talk about things that you may not always talk about on a Sunday morning or you might not hear on, you know, from a sermon, but they're they're issues that we all wrestle with, we all struggle with, we all engage with on a daily basis. And so I'm excited to be joined on this podcast by Jen Wright on my left and Greg Baker on my right. You guys excited? Good to be here, Joel. Great to be here. Well, we're going we're gonna to kick it off. We, you know, we've been talking about here, here at Northside about spiritual formation. It's an ancient term. It carries many different meanings for all of us, but I'm going to just define it quickly, and then I thought we could engage with the topic of spiritual formation personally. So what does it mean for us personally? Robert Mulholland, in his book, Invitation to a Journey, says this, Spiritual formation is the process of being formed by God in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Being formed by God in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So that may be a mouthful, but first I want to just talk about what does spiritual formation mean to us personally and a little bit of what our journey is up to this point in our lives. So I'm going to kick it over to Jen first. Jen, <laughs> why don't you lead us off here? What is, what is spiritual formation to you? Well, it's interesting because I was in a class in January and the prof asked us in small groups to define spiritual formation. And it's a concept or a phrase that we hear, much like things we might hear on Sunday or at church or a Bible study, where we don't often slow down enough to appreciate what is going on in this phrase. Mm. And so the invitation to our podcast listeners and viewers is the opportunity to slow down and consider some of these concepts that we're going to be bringing to the table and think for yourself, what does spiritual formation mean for me? And for me, it's very much a process of the forming of the life of Christ in me and through me. And uh, for me, it's been a a big shift from just something that's formed in me to something that's very much through my life and affecting the people around me and affecting the world around me. And that was one of the key points in my spiritual formation journey was shifting from just an inward development of faith towards an outward manifestation of, of this life of Christ mm. in and through me. So, yeah. Yeah, and I know in my own life as well is when I, when I was first quote unquote saved, which, you know, we'll debate that maybe in another podcast about what that actually means. Is that raise your hand? Well, Hey, I raised my hand when I was younger. I mean, didn't we all raise our hand? You said debate. And I was like, are we going to debate whether or not you're saved? No, I I mean, Jen and I are going to debate whether you are saved. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I don't know if I'm saved yet. This is the first episode and I don't know if I'm saved. Great, Pastor Joel. But I think, I think that you know, we, for me, I developed the inward pretty early on. I mean, I'll get into, you know, people that have influenced me in my journey, but pretty early on, it was an inward uh, point of just me and God 
mostly because I didn't have any friends. <laughs> but then I really still don't. <laughs> still don't. That's why I've forced you two to be here with me. But I think as you, yeah, move along the journey, you realize that phrase that jumped out of at least Mulholland's definition is for the sake of others, realizing that my life is for other people as well, takes on a whole new meaning to why we're spiritually formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not just spiritually formed, you know, for, for me and my own, you know, journey to get to heaven someday, but it's, it's I'm formed for others. For community. For a purpose, really, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it's, it's we're, we are formed for a purpose. And I think it ties into what your purpose is and knowing what your purpose is and knowing what God has called you to do and then understanding that that's sometimes a process to get to that. From We all start at kind of some sort of conversion experience and where do you go from there mm-hmm. to kind of come into maturity to walk the walk that Jesus has set for each one of us, which is different for each one of us. But, mm-hmm. but how do you get to that process? Yeah. And I think, you know, my journey was probably similar to yours, which is starts with more of an internal, like you're very internally focused, right? Like, what do I need to believe? How do I need to act? But it's, it's different than that process where God is transforming you from the inside. And I think ultimately that is the best fruit that we have in our life is, is, the, is the fruit that the Holy Spirit has formed within us rather than kind of fruit we've tried to form on our own as we move forward. I also know that all, I think all three of us uh, grew up, quote unquote, in the church. Um, I know from different backgrounds, but we, we sort of began by having people tell us what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think, beginning with you, Jen, what do you think changed for you where you were told what to do and then you moved toward your own journey with, with Well, God. let's just first be real. It was really hard to tell me what to do growing up. So no, it's probably <laughs> I don't still see that all, really though. hard yeah. to tell me what to do. But I remember growing up in uh, just the culture of experience where you were told to have morning devotions, taught different methods of reading scripture. Um, and I remember growing up with a very real sense of, I have to do this. I don't want to do this. There wasn't uh, an internal owning of this spiritual formation process. It was very externally motivated. I was motivated by prizes, mm. by um, food, by anything mm-hmm. that they would give me to memorize scripture, to bring friends to Sunday school, to read your Bible, to memorize the books of the Bible and all of these things. I was very externally motivated. And um, I have two points of major conversion. And one is a real, a a deep baptism in awareness of the love of God for me that changed this external action-based faith experience of doing the right things, wearing the right clothes, saying the right words uh, to a very beautiful and powerful intimate relationship with God. And the second one in my spiritual formation journey, I was thinking about this last night uh, in 2007, I was on a trip to an orphanage in Africa and I was reading this book and I finished reading the book. And at the end of it, I was just like, I'm not going to read scripture for like six months, I think. Um, And the reason being, it's, it's called, it's a book on evangelism, and the subtitle is, What If Sharing Your Faith Meant Just Being Yourself? And I realized that in all my external appreciation of Scripture, I had a deep love of God and a deep awareness of communicating Scripture, but I was very much disconnected with who I was and how that mattered 
in the spiritual formation process that even the fact that I don't like being told what to do, that is part of who I am and sharing my faith and being who I am, uh, surrendering all of me to the spiritual formation process was a huge point. So I'm not advocating like stop reading scripture, but I had, I could memorize massive sections of scripture, but had it really transformed my life. And so, yeah, it was just a real keen time where I would spend time with God and listen to where he would have me pay attention to. And it was often drawing from a well of scripture that was in me. So it was, I didn't read the Bible and pray every day, but I spent time communing with the Holy Spirit and allowing scripture to surface and thinking on the process of whatever's pure, meditate on those things, whatever's, you know, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, encourage one another daily. Um, All of these things would surface and just following the Spirit's formation in my life was a very powerful season for me. So that was a, in two, two points of shift for me from external to an internal locus of following the Spirit in this way. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Well, I know, I know that, I mean, you're probably the only person, you know, watching or listening or even on the show that doesn't read their Bible and pray every day. I do now. But, um, you know, for the, but I, I, I think. Bus, Jen. <laughs> I think what happens. Joel ha- driving. I think what happens. I think, yeah, I think what happens is that we, you know, in the, in the West and Greg, I want to get your thoughts too, is, you know, in the West, we just, we, we elevate knowledge over experience we elevate knowledge over relationship, and we've turned our spiritual walk much into our education system, which is come and learn from a professor or a teacher, and they'll you know transfer knowledge to you, and you'll have enough knowledge to become really, really smart. And we, we do that in our spiritual walk as well, right? What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I, I was reading something the other day, and it said the, his, the traditional process of maturity as being a Christian is you start with some sort of conversion process. Then we put you into some sort of discipleship process where we teach you what it is you're supposed to believe and how it is you're supposed to act. And then once you've gone through that process, then at the end, there's some sort of spiritual formation process where you really have a relationship with God and that starts to define who you are and how you act. And that's kind of the traditional way that we bring you through Christianity. And what I thought was interesting was this author was saying, our culture is very different now. And he says, what people are looking for now is they have a, some sort of conversion experience. Mm-hmm. They want to jump to relationship, mm-hmm. right? They want, they want to understand relationship. They want to have a relationship with God and they want to experience God. Mm-hmm. And they're not as interested in sitting in a class and doing discipleship or have somebody teach them what they're supposed to think and how, what they're supposed to do. And that can still come after the fact, right? But they prioritize relationship over what I'd call kind of traditional discipleship. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, I, my, I came from more of a, you're going to have some conversion experience. And then I went a long time in the church where I didn't have discipleship or spiritual formation at all. Mm-hmm. So mine was just, well, you go to church every Sunday and here's the basics of what you should believe and away you go. You rest, live the rest of your life kind of like everybody else does. And then I kind of got into more of a university age, somebody kind of mentored me and took me through a bit more discipleship. And I started reading my Bible, which I'd never opened a page in my Bible Mm. before. And that started to change me, right? And then, but it wasn't until years later after that, that I actually had what I'd call like experience with the Holy Spirit and pulled kind of that whole spiritual side into my 
my walk. Like I didn't, I didn't get that until I met you. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I really had no experience with spiritual gifts or any kind of like true internal transformation that led to me wanting to do ministry and impact other people's lives. Mm -hmm. But I, I think our culture is shifting where it's not a traditional become a Christian, learn what you need to learn and then have a relationship with God. It's mm -hmm. people want relationship and experience right off the bat now. Well, and I think that's what separates, you know, our relationship with God is what separates us from other religions and from other experiences. And, I, you know, I think that we, we have a living God that um, wants to have relationship with us, you know? And if you're listening today and you don't have that relationship and you're like a relationship with God, I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly possible and it's where everything changes. And it's where, you know, it's not just, you know, praying three times a day and it's not just reading your Bible and it's not just going to church and it's not singing songs, but it's, it's, there's a, an accessible God, um, who wants to have relationship with us and, and redeems and transforms and brings life and joy. Right. Yeah. And it's different yeah. than following a set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I think you talked about kind of following that set of what is expected of being a Christian. Like I know for me personally, the older that I get, the more of a problem I have with that. <laughs> and you got to be very careful who you talk to, right? Because you don't have to go very far in Christian circles to find people that say, like, if you want to be a Christian, you have to do this or you have to believe this. But that, that's a really Old Testament thinking, isn't it? Right? Here's the list of rules and regulations that you must follow in order to make God happy or be a Christian. And, you know, there's, we could talk about this probably forever, but I think we need to be careful. I, I think it's different. We, we probably all became Christians as minors, right? As children. And I think that's different because with kids, you need to give them some direction because their brains aren't mature enough to kind of figure out what they should think for their own. But as, a, but as adults, I think it is all about relationship. And I'm, I'm not so fussed when somebody comes to Christ and doesn't have all their actions sorted out and doesn't have all their beliefs sorted out, because that's not what it's about. And I think we've, as a church, <clears throat> to overgeneralize the situation maybe, we've tried to have answers for a lot of questions that there's not a lot of clear, defined answers, uh, especially if you look to the Old Testament stories of Noah, creation, and all of these things. And we have a hard time translating from childhood where there's clear we tell you the stories we tell you the stories we tell you the stories and then there's this shift towards adulthood and you look back on the stories and you go there's a lot more gray in those stories in these practices in this understanding of god than i was instructed to and so there's sometimes just this process of shedding some of those layers and it's all part of the spiritual formation journey, like shedding some of the mental layers and the mental constructs that we would have around God and relating to God. Um, so it's healthy mm. and helpful. And I'm torn, right? Because half the stuff that comes out of my mouth, probably three days later, I don't even agree with it myself. <laughs> but, I, you know, there is somewhere to, be able to build a foundation, right? Yeah. Sometimes we need a foundation that we build on, and the Bible is obviously a fantastic foundation. It is the foundation. And... But I think we need to be careful, right? Like you said, it's, it's sometimes it's, oh, here's this, here's what this story means. You just need to believe this, and away we go. And that's yeah, it's, it's like rote memorization. So I just want to understand this, though, just in the beginning here. Are you both telling me that when it rains, you don't start building a boat? No. Okay. Well, I, I just How think it's... How big is your boat? <laughs> I just think it's... 
No, I think I think it's it's true that you know it's what we teach our kids through these stories instead of just memorize the story. It's you know faithfulness. It's it's being gracious. It's being loving. I think it's it's we're losing the what we're teaching the kids through the stories, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. The concepts we're teaching them is memorize this, and you're like that's acceptable, rather than this is how you live your life in light of who. Yeah, Noah was. And I think, right? like you said, I think you have to be careful with kids because kids need direction, right? Because you know, I have three kids and they are not mature enough that they can make their own decisions, mm-hmm. right? And so it's maybe it's easier if we just talk about adults because I think it's a different thing with adults. Adults are responsible for their own lives and adults are responsible for kind of what they believe and, and the process for getting them there. Whereas kids need some help, right? Mm-hmm. They, they need direction from Another thing I, I want to get your input on is is uh, there's an aspect that, again, in the same definition, Mulholland's definition, he talks about God forming us, that spiritual formation is God forming us versus us forming ourselves. But, you know, what do you think about, you touched on it before, about discipleship versus this spiritual formation. But if we were to look at it from a lens of discipleship is... I'm doing these things to conform to Christ versus God forming me, which would be more the spiritual formation in this context. But, you know, what do you think of those? Like, did you have a shift in your life where it was like you're doing a set of things when you were young to allowing God to form you? Or I, I know in my own life, I feel, and I'll give you a, you know, a few seconds to think about it here. But I know in my own life, there was, there was really a shift in me when I realized that God wants to be involved in my life, in my relationships, in every aspect of my life. He meets me where I'm at, whether I'm in church on a Sunday morning, you know, in a worship service, or whether I'm gardening in the backyard, or whether I'm on a run, you know, along the dike in Pitt Meadows, or whether I'm on a plane going somewhere. It doesn't matter where I am. I find God can meet me in those places and form me and form, uh, you know, my thoughts and form um, just who I am in those moments. And he almost transforms those moments and those moments become spiritual formation versus, you know, your typical sort of come to a discipleship class where you strive to uh, conform yourself to the image of Christ. So I don't know, what, what do you think about that one being you're conforming yourself to the image of Christ and one is allowing God to form you. Yeah. So my opinions are those of my own and do not represent (laughs) anybody else, but I, I have a real problem with, and I have to be careful how I say this. I have a real problem with striving to do something that you don't believe inside because you're trying to make God happy or you're trying to make other people happy. So I'll give you an example. Let's say internally you hate the government and you, it, you have absolutely no problem with cheating on your taxes. You do not see that as, a, is this a confession as an booth? issue at all. This is not representative of me <laughs> in any way. It's somebody I know. Just check. Right. No, it's not Just me. Just a buddy of yours. <laughs> yeah, I was going to use a different example, but this one is safer, I think. So um, let's, let's say you have no personal problem with cheating on your taxes because you think the government takes too much of our money already. Mm-hmm. But you know that as a Christian, you're not supposed to cheat on your taxes. What should you do? 
I would argue that it is more consistent if you firmly believe that you can cheat on your taxes, that you should cheat on your taxes. (laughs) Because I think the process of allowing God to change your heart and have your motivation come from within is the important part. Other people would argue it doesn't matter what you feel that these are the rules that you have to follow <laughs> if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. I get the argument you're making. Do you get the sure. argument I, at I, least? I, I, I We're get just going to distance ourselves from the lightning, right, Joel? I get where you're using the best option. But, but you know what I mean? Like, there are people who believe a certain thing. Like, maybe you believe that you're 25 years old and it's okay to sleep with your girlfriend. Right. And you're not married. You're an adult, okay? And you believe that it's okay to sleep with your girlfriend. Well, why should you not sleep with your girlfriend just because somebody at church says you're not supposed to sleep with your girlfriend until you get married? Mm. Now, I can understand the flip side of that is if internally I know I don't want to sleep with my girlfriend because I, I'm, purity is important to me mm. and like I have internal conviction that I don't want to, there's still the battle between the flesh and the spirit where... I, I still really feel like I want to sleep with my girlfriend, even though internally I don't want to. I know it's not right. But what about that person who thinks there's no problem with sleeping with their girlfriend? Is it the church's and is it our position as leaders to tell somebody, no, listen, this is the rule when you become a Christian and you should conform? Yes. <laughs> See, this Let is me what, be I know, advocate. I know that we have different opinions on this. Yeah, but if I... So... You know, to use like maybe just an illustration that's, let's do something safe. So I worked at Starbucks for a few years. um, And on the beginning of the training, you were told what to do, told how to do it, told the recipes and all of these things. And it was all external knowledge. It was all like, I'm learning this. I'm not understanding. Like it's all of this out here. And there comes a point where everything becomes second nature. And it, you can't, I don't know where the line is. I don't know how it happened. But there's this outward conduct expected of the person that's doing that job, whatever job it is. There's an outward body of knowledge that is put on a person if they're doing any, anything in life. And there's this shift that takes place at some point where you own it and it becomes part of who you are. So I would say that there is a place for external discussion of teaching on tithing and should you participate before you have an inner conviction or reading scripture as much as I just said I went through a season of not reading it. I think there is still a point where we say this is how it is done or these are some of the principles that are healthy and helpful for your life. And eventually on this journey of what starts as external, our discipleship program, I would hope, would invite the internal process. Because for me, discipleship and spiritual formation is a matter of semantics. Mm. If we're doing discipleship right, I don't want to disciple people in the image of me and Mm. my interpretation of God and faith in the Bible. I want to disciple people to follow the spirits leading in their own life. Mm-hmm. So I would say there is a place for external saying, don't sleep with your girlfriend and pay your taxes. Mm. Um, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think. This devil's advocate here. Yeah, devil advocate. 
what 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 is heaven's what, advocate? What matters? Just cut it out, Joel. <laughs> Go to Bible school. No one asked you. <laughs> what what makes God happy? Right. So the, here's what here's what I'll say is is God looking at your actions or your heart? Right. Is he is he more interested in the way you feel internally, or is he more interested in the actions that you? Well, I, I, you know, for, for me, I'm split. Sorry, I just need a drink of water. <laughs> Dude, it's COVID. You're not uh, supposed to be sharing sorry, glasses. Sorry, that was Greg's glass. But I felt, I, I, like, I felt thirsty. And so I wanted oh, to he's take making a, a point of yeah. that oh. water. Oh. I just, I was thirsty. So I want, I know I violated your yes. line of what's comfortable, but I, I just felt like I should take a drink of that. So you didn't violate my line because I don't really care. But, okay. But, uh, but. I would say there's consequences to actions, right? There's no doubt about that, right? I think that the reason God lays out guidelines for our life is because he knows the consequences of poor decisions. Right. Right? So I sleep with my girlfriend before we're married. There are consequences to those actions. Right. The consequence is not separation from God. God lives inside of me. How could I possibly be separated from God? Mm-hmm. It is not condemnation for my sin because that sin has already been forgiven. But there are consequences in that my personal relationships going forward are going to be negatively affected um, because I'm going to carry that experience with me whether I stay with that girl or don't stay with that girl. Mm-hmm. Like God gives, us, God gives us a way of living. That's not even the right way to put it. I think God... God will allow our hearts to be conformed to his heart and the way his heart is because he cares about us and the way that we live our lives have an impact on other people. We draw the line in terms of breaking the law in, with taxes because there are consequences to that. Not only law consequences that I could go to jail, but there are personal consequences for being a liar and a cheat, right, that affect me personally. But I, I don't think that God looks at that person and loves them any less. I don't think God is yeah. afraid of our mistakes. I don't think we should aim to make mistakes. And I'm certainly not advocating that you should sleep with your girlfriend before you get married. I personally don't believe that that is a smart thing in any way, and I would never raise my kids that way. I just think it's an interesting conversation over what's really important to God. Mm-hmm. Is it the actions that you're doing, or is it where your belief in your heart is? Well, I, in, you know, and I think for me, because I've thought about this before, and I think that there are things that we begin with an attitude of discipline and they become desires. So mm. for me, um, you know, I didn't love sitting down and praying for half an hour, you know, when I was first saved, or I didn't l- enjoy sitting down and reading the Bible for an hour when I was first saved. I, I saw my parents do it. I saw the effect that it had on their life, but I, I didn't have the patience for it. I didn't have the, the use for it. <laughs> I didn't see the value for it. I just, all of these things, right? Yeah. You sit still that long? I couldn't sit still that long. It was like squirrel, you know? Can, and you, I went, s- <laughs> can you still sit still that long? I, this is the, well, I can. And I think what happens is, is that things that do begin as a, I told you to, can, can be at some point, and I don't know, I don't think it's at a particular point, they can become desires. They can become yeah. things that you enjoy doing that you didn't once enjoy doing. And I, I remember this verse, and it, this is totally out of context, so... Since we're already, you know, Down way there. outside the Bible <laughs> anyway, track. I'm just going to throw this one in there, right? So this is, to, I'm, taking, I'm taking this verse out of context. 
But um, Samuel says to Saul, and this is, uh, you know, from the Lord, where he's denouncing Saul as king. And um, Samuel says to him that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And, um, you know, Saul is, is wanting to make a sacrifice, and, and Samuel comes to him and he says uh, from the Lord, does, not, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? as much as in obedience to his voice, behold, obedience is better than sacrifice. And I pondered that for a while, and I'm like, why is obedience better than sacrifice? And I felt the Lord say to me, because if you obey, sacrifice isn't required. So the sacrifice makes up for the disobedience. And so in that sense, it was like, I still think the Lord is like pleased even with my crappy obedience, even if it's like mm-hmm. wrought with wrong motivation or wrought with. But I also, I can't stay there. Like I have to mature from that place where I'm just doing things because somebody told me to do them or don't do them or tithe because, and 10%, oh, is it gross or net? Like all that stuff I think is, you got to move on from there. Yeah. But I do think it provides those guidelines in the beginning. And I think that might be one of the commentaries on maybe the state of the church or the state of some people's experience with the church is that their faith hasn't progressed past the external rules or this is what it means to be a Christian. And the Mm. invitation of this whole discussion is to consider, you know, am I internally, is the spiritual formation, am I stuck at this place of tithing, coming to church on Sundays, all of which is important, but am I stuck at that place where it's this external adherence to these things when there's a beautiful and powerful internal connection that, Yeah, I think. I said before, I think that you have to draw a line between kids because they can't make their own decisions and adults. I actually don't think you can draw that line because like we're all, it's really an immaturity, maturity conversation maybe, mm-hmm. right? And we're all immature at various parts of our life, various parts of our life at various stages in our mm-hmm. life. So yeah, I, and, and maybe that is the way that we learn, right? So I can be 50 years old, but I'm still learning in this area of my life. And the way I learn is somebody says, well, this is the way you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So then I do it. And that's how I get into that habit. But I totally agree with you that at some point you need to mature. And that needs to be, you, just like with kids, they stop having an external force tell them what to do and they internalize it and it becomes their own desire. And I agree with you. I think there's lots of people in the church that don't, don't move through that, right? And so they're always at the stage of, well, tell me what I should do. Tell me what I should think on this issue. What, what should I do here? How, what should I believe? And they never take their own initiative to internalize it and say, this is what I believe. Here's why I believe it. And this is not only that, here's what I'm going to do to move forward in this area. But it's on me now. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. It, you know, it, it reminds me, I mean, as we look at, um, you know, discipleship, we'll just use a, a term that a lot of us are familiar with. Spiritual formation to some of you might be a foreign term, but we'll just use the term discipleship. Um, there's, uh, there's discipleship that begs us to conform and then there's a spiritual journey that invites us to be transformed and um i'd like to get into this maybe a little bit more next time because i want to take another verse out of context 
one that a lot of us know and it might be we on might need some to rename our, this podcast. Some Are of you our, doing that before I know the plans I have for you? Because that's largely out of context. No, but I like that. I like that. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. No, also out no. of context. <laughs> we will get into verses out of context next podcast. I have podcast. a whole wall art series. <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely on someone's magnet in someone's house. And it says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. So Paul writes this in Romans Chapter 12, verse two, 2, right? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And, and I always think of that and I go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like, don't, don't conform to, the, to worldly concepts. And then when I look at our discipleship programs, our discipleship programs have conformed to worldly concepts. Like our own internal, the way we do discipleship, the way we have classes and we want people to learn this, this, and this, and we want them to graduate from this class to go to that class, or we want them to do this, this, and this, or, um, you know, again, tithe and, and join a life group and a lot of things. Which we'll are be, all really important. We'll be going over in the next few weeks here at Northside. <laughs> like we want you to do all these things, but I find they in and of themselves are, are, can become, if wrongly motivated, they can simply be a conforming to the pattern of this world, which is do this, this, and this, and you get right. transactional. Um, this is spiritual growth. Like if you're serving, and this is, we've said this here in so many words, but like if you give and if you serve, then you're spiritually mature. And right. It's very dangerous right dude that was my whole life right like i've talked about this before probably at men's breakfast but i was like i there's a certain checklist that you have to have if you want to be a mature christian and i was checking them all off right like go to church every sunday volunteer somewhere you know lead a small group tithe bring your kids to church like whatever it is like read your bible pray share your faith like i'm checking them all off and then i realized i'm I'm totally missing most of what's supposed to be going on in terms of a mature Christian life, right? And I had no concept of spiritual gifts or Holy Spirit or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And I look back now and I, I was really just checking things off the list. And I was, I didn't, it was bad because I didn't even know that I wasn't really mature because this is what I thought you had to be in order to be mature. If you'd asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm pretty mature. So was there like a, a moment was, okay, was there a moment or was there a relationship or a season where that shifted for you? And I, I don't know if Jen, you agree with this, but you know, from, you know, check a box from works based to identity based, but is there like a moment or was there people in your life or a season that you can point to where there was a shift for you? Yes. Good answer. I'm worried. That's an excellent answer. Yeah. <laughs> very Just leave it right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Sounds more heresy is coming. <laughs> no, I just, I, like, I agree 100% that there is from, I, I think I've already talked about the fact that I could memorize scripture and from young age, teaching in Sunday school and on worship teams, like started 11, 12 years old doing these things and these points of my journey uh, about 16 years old in encountering the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit was a huge point of transition for my life and a lot of fear and a lot of um, fear and a lot of, let's say it again, fear. I was a very fearful person of not 
measuring up, not doing well, not being perfect at things. What um, do you mean by baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are we going to go there or should we save that for a podcast? <laughs> oh, that'll because be another I think podcast. It should be another Stay one. tuned. It's a, it's a whole discussion about what that means okay. right after salvation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think there's been seasons where encountering the Holy Spirit, um, becoming aware of the love of God for me, and that was transformative. And then uh, various points right up until present, because I think if we disconnect even too far from these awakenings or these points of our journey, um, right up until current, what are the current seasons of being invited into the process of spiritual formation? I think my most current one is one I'm absolutely loving. Um, and that was for years separating study for teaching or study for preaching from devotional looking at scripture. And I felt like God spoke to me fairly recently, like within this last year, within 2021, that why am I, why am I separating the coming to scripture for these different reasons when it's all life-giving and I draw such life from scripture that it's not no longer compartmentalized that mm. I'm praying for these people now, or I'm, I think you mentioned it, all of life got opened up to spiritual formation. So it's not, oh, I'm walking now and praying for this list. It's being open to what God would have for me, regardless of whether I'm studying for or praying for church time or whatever it would be. So yes, that was a long convoluted, unclear answer to say there have been people, places, books, podcasts, conferences, different things over the years that have all influenced me to greater and greater depth of understanding and appreciation of this season. So it's not even like a one-time, one-point thing for me. Yeah, I think it reminds me of, there's a, a famous quote, and I'll totally butcher it because I didn't look it up before now, but it's in the movie Chariots of Fire where Eric Little uh, is running. And Now's the time to put the theme song, Chariots yeah. of Fire, on. Da-da-da-da. Guys, yeah. Where is it? Dun, yeah. dun, 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 yeah. Dun. I was I was gonna do it, but I didn't have confidence in it, so Jen did it. <laughs> but he said something That's to the of fire, right? Yeah. Why did? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Anyway. So, but they he says okay. he says, um, they said like, what motivates you to run, or why do you run, or and there's this famous saying that again I'm gonna butcher it, but it's something to the effect of that you know when he runs he feels God's presence. Um, you know, when he feels the wind, he feels God's presence. And I find that I'm on a similar track where I'm starting to sense God more like shoveling manure on my farm than I am in my quote unquote quiet time. Mm -hmm. And what happens, I think, is that there are these there are these holy moments that we all miss in our life because we're expecting God in one place and we're not expecting him in the other and we just sort of miss him yeah. because we only we're not even looking for him in in washing dishes in you know seeing a stranger and saying good morning or a cashier and making her laugh i mean i don't cuz i'm not very funny but greg would um and i find that I'm seeing God more in those moments of like, oh my goodness, this even this thing I used to hate to do. Yeah. It could be taking out the garbage. Yeah. It could be changing diapers. Like whatever stage you're in, God meets you, finds yeah. you, forms you, 
And it's like, oh, wow. So spiritual formation is more of an opening up and receiving mm. than a striving and making or conjuring up or I don't know. It's just, it's wild. I, yeah, I had a, I had a very radical experience with the love of God. And it happened in our building after a service one Sunday morning. And I was never the same again. And it was nothing that I did, mm-hmm. but I've, it was like God landed on me and I felt it was like a baptism in the love of the mm-hmm. Father, right? And I know the three of us have talked about this before, but I felt like I experienced the baptism of God's love and he just flowed right through me and he healed some stuff on the inside of me that I didn't even know was broken at mm-hmm. the time, let alone trying to get it healed. Wow. And I was completely changed. And that took me into a season in my life where I felt like God had changed me from the inside and he had prepared me to learn a whole whack of stuff that he wanted to teach me about who I was and what my purpose was and how I could connect with him and how I could hear his voice Mm -hmm. and how he'd lead me and guide me and how I was, what his plan was that he had for ministry for me. And that all started though off an experience that was nothing that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he initiated I, nothing. It. He initiated it. I didn't even ask for it, really. He initiated it. He did the work, and he led me to where I am. And I, to me, that is really, I see that as spiritual formation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it was not striving in and of my own self. It wasn't me trying to conform. It was, he changed me from the inside, and now I have internal motivation to do a bunch of these things. And I'm not trying to work it up, right? I'm not, I mean, there's still the battle with your flesh that you will always have. But I I feel like from that experience, I had like, God left me with just like a piece of his heart. Mm -hmm. You know what that feeling is like? And it's like that alone can motivate me to do things now that I I would have had to just work it up in the past or do it because I know I'm supposed to do it. Well, I want to, I, Definitely want to get into this in another podcast because I know all three of us have <laughs> talked about the baptism of love, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to, I want to, you know, leave this with those watching and listening is that when Jesus was baptized, he, he actually received three baptisms. Uh, this is also uh, heresy. Um, <laughs> Starting it now. Three, three baptisms. Okay. So he was baptized in water um, by John um, and we all have baptism in water, and that's for us, that's for repentance. Jesus, that was not for repentance, but he was setting an example for us. And then it says that, you know... We could even discuss that. Okay. <laughs> the, the heavens... That'll be the third podcast. Uh, thought that was a safe one, but not, not for Jen. All things are unsafe. Um, the second baptism he received, of course, the dove descended on Jesus. And he's baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, for power. But there was a third, and you might have missed it, but it says that there was a voice, and Jesus heard the Father say, you are my son, in whom I'm well pleased. That, to me, is the baptism of love and identity. Because the very next thing that happens, right, is Jesus is taken off into the wilderness, tempted by Satan, and Satan asks him, if you really are, and I think we miss that. We miss the necessary, because what happens in the baptism of love? Because some of you are wondering, I want that. I need that. I, like, I've never, I just had somebody on Sunday say, I've never experienced the love of God. 
And there's two things that happen is one is you have an overwhelming sense of how God sees you and feels about you and you see yourself totally different from that moment on. Like there's this, it's love, but it's also identity. It's like baptism of love and identity at the same time that, um, and Jesus had, had all of that. And it was, those were all necessary for him to go and do Mm -hmm. what he did. Right. And, um, yeah, so I, I just think it's it's beautiful that, and I think the baptism of love is something that I know we've all experienced personally and we can talk about more. And so I think we'll get into that a bit more about, you know, what does that mean? Is it, is it do you feel love like an emotion? Do you feel, but it's so much more than that, right? Um, it shifts and changes the way you, way you live your life. Jen is, is, is turning. She's going <laughs> to exhort us here from the word of God. To find it. She's going to find it. <laughs> Probably 1 Corinthians 13. No, we'll see. No, I'm not. No. Okay. But I, I, I think there really has to be a, a point where each of us move from a works-based relationship of just doing to check boxes and so on to be, quote-unquote, good Christians or spiritual or whatever, to this is who I am and us flowing from that, right? So... I remember, I'll just share this quick story. Um, when I was first saved, I, I, I was in an apartment um, in, in the Bronx, actually, in New York. And I had, again, I had no friends. I've talked about my loneliness already in this podcast, but I had no <laughs> friends. And uh, I'm sitting on this blow-up mattress, and I had a Bible, and I had just been saved. And I knew two worship songs. I love you, Lord, and oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Those are the only songs I knew. And I'm not a great singer, you know? Um, but I remember day after day, I would sit there and I would read a few verses. And I would sing those songs over and over again. And I remember that internal, like, knowing of, wow, I'm his son, was just so powerful. Soon after that, it... it dwindled a little and then had to be rekindled but i just the moment of like connecting with god as a son or as a daughter um just so powerful and so it's the place that we're supposed to minister from right so yes you have something to share i just think this might be a prayer for those that are as we're wrapping up today but Mm -hmm. um ephesians 3 has a prayer for the church there that says i pray that out of his God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Mm. I think that's the prayer that you would know the depth and the height and the breadth and the width because that's all obviously been transformational in all of our spiritual formation processes. So that would be our prayer for you, Northside, and anyone listening. Yeah. Well, I, ho- I hope you've enjoyed this, this session and um, we're, we're going to begin once a month having on-ramp and our next topic will be one of uh, maybe the baptism of love. I think we need to go there. 
I think we need to go there a little bit, a little bit more. But I want to leave you with this quote that, um, not a quote, because the Lord spoke it to me. I don't know. Is that a quote? I don't want to be presumptuous here. <laughs> but this is, this is what I thought of, is his work in stillness is far greater than my work in striving. Yeah. Yeah. His work in stillness is, is far greater than my work in striving. So, so listen, if you've watched today, if you've listened today, we want to hear from you. If you have questions about anything that you've heard from these two, uh, please, we would love. I'll answer for yeah. him, too. Send them to Joel. Yeah. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. We really want to know, you know what struck a chord with you or maybe something stuck out to you or you want clarification or you just want to say, hey, I totally agree. I've experienced this myself. We want the podcast to be engaging. We want to create a community. Uh, of of people that wherever you're at on your journey, a community where we can ask questions, we can answer those questions. And so we'll take a few of those questions. We'll even answer them next time and engage with them. Um, and yeah, just thanks so much for joining us. Thank yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks, thanks for being with the three of us. Yeah. Good to be with you. Yeah. Take care.